Good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to our service here this morning. Glad you've chosen to spend at least part of your Good Friday with us as we celebrate together the death of our Lord and what that means for us as his followers. Um, for any children in the house, there are no children's programs during this service. Uh, but if you, uh, there are some activity sheets and, and some stuff available. I know uh, Marnie has those, and uh, she'd be happy to hook you up if you need those. Also, the nursery, while not staffed today, will be um, open. So if, uh, if uh, parents, particularly of very young ones, need to avail yourself of that, you can feel free to do that. But just know that it won't be staffed. Uh, Ellie is going to call you to worship uh, in a moment, but uh, I just want to share with you a poem. It's by Wendell Berry. We travelers walking to the sun can't see ahead, but look back, looking back, the very light that blinded us shows us the way we came along which blessings now appear, risen as if from sightlessness to sight. And we, by blessing brightly lit, keep going toward that blessed light that yet to us is dark. I was thinking about how for many of us, we're, we're here for a lot of different reasons. Maybe from tradition um, or curiosity, or maybe you're here because your family made you come, or maybe there's another reason. And that's okay, but know that it's Christ himself who welcomes you here, and it's him who calls you to worship. So let's do that together. John 18, 33 to 37. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It was Passover season, and uh, Pontius Pilate, the Roman prefect over the province of Judea, and his troops, they would have been on high alert, because after all, this was the Passover season, and Jerusalem, uh, in Jerusalem, the, the patriotic passions would have been running high 
among Jewish people. This was the season that, that defined them as a nation, when, when devout Jews were thinking intensively about how God had delivered them from oppression and slavery in Egypt and, and set them free from their oppressors. But they were under Roman rule now. And that kind of thinking could turn into a violent coup d'etat pretty quick. And, and Pilate was prefect. Um, he was the local representative of Caesar himself, and he was the guy in charge, consequently, of, of keeping the peace, and that, was, that would have been his responsibility. So if there was unrest, if there was rioting, heads were going to roll, and Pilate was going to see to it that the head that rolled wasn't his. So there is Pilate on high alert, but then, you know, here he comes. Another pretender to the throne, it would seem, claiming to be king. But Pilate, with all of the might of Rome behind him, knew how to handle these guys. You know, you show strength, right? Strength would answer that situation. Strength, power, that's what would get the job done. Faced with, faced with real power, the coward will crawl and then grovel, and then, and then scurry for the, sh for the shadows to you know, ultimately be forgotten in the long annals of obscurity where so many others of his kind had gone already to rust and rot and remain obliterated from all memory. And if this new pretender to kingship, if he show courage, you know, if he'd be a true believer in his cause, what of it? Let him come. Let him come then and be crushed under the merciless boot of Rome. A tremendous showing of strength as a warning to the next guy that pain and death is what waits for the man or the woman who would dare to stand up to the magnificent and unshakable rule of Caesar. But when Pilate actually encounters Jesus, it isn't long before he realizes that he has come up against something different. Something he hadn't encountered before. Because this man, this Jesus, showed neither anger nor fear. He spewed no vitriol, no, no venom, but neither did he cringe or cower. There were none of the hysterical manifestos that were typically the hallmark of these kinds of revolutionaries. So what was all this then? Was this man crazy? If nothing else, Pilate's curiosity was piqued. And so he asks, Jesus, do you believe that you're a king? But when Jesus speaks... He speaks in controlled tones and with a strange authority. You are right in saying that I am a king. But my kingdom is not of this world. No kidding. Jesus didn't behave like any other aspiring king that Pilate or any of us, for that matter, have ever seen before. 
Firstly, unlike any other person, he was given the choice of where and how to be born. And instead of much vaunted ivory towers, he chose obscurity and poverty. The kings of this world don't do that. And while he loved everybody, when it came to choosing his followers, instead of selecting people of, of wealth and clout who might improve his position, he chose poor people, unlettered roughnecks, and outsiders, and women of ill repute. Basically as awkward a collection of ragamuffins as one could hope to find. The kings of this world don't do that. And rather than demand servitude from his followers, Jesus would get down on his knees and wash their feet. And the kings of this world don't do that. Jesus lived a life that was freely spent, poured out in service of others. He taught them, he fed them, he healed them, he loved them, and he showed them a new way to be human. And now the time had come for him to show the full extent of his love and to demonstrate exactly what kind of king he was. He would allow himself to be convicted and executed. In response to our greatest need, he would die. He would allow himself to be nailed to a wooden cross and in doing so, he would show Pontius Pilate, the Jewish people, the Roman Empire, the entire world of every generation what true strength is, what true authority is, what true power is. For our sake, he had set his face toward a cruel death at Calvary. And I'll tell you something, the kings of this world don't do that. But then, this was no ordinary king. In some church traditions, Good Friday is marked by the practice of blowing out seven candles as we walk through um, the seven last things that Jesus said from the cross before his death. We're gonna do that together this morning through a responsive reading. So you guys can read the parts that say all, and I'll read the parts that say one. At Jesus's trial, religious leaders, rulers, and the crowd kept shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. The one who gave sight to the blind, made the lame walk, cleansed the lepers, made the deaf hear, raised the dead, and proclaimed good news to the poor. It was he they wanted crucified. They were so vehement that Pilate handed Jesus over to receive the punishment the crowd demanded for him. Crucifixion a shameful and torturous death. 
And what did Jesus pray for his crucifiers? For the criminals who were crucified on either side of him? For you and I. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. As the king of life hung, dying on a cross, one of the criminals beside him hurled insults at him, saying, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To the criminal who acknowledged his guilt and asked for mercy, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. As the suffering of Christ continued, so did his love and care for others. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. He didn't just know his own suffering, his own grief, his own troubles. He knew the troubles of us and had compassion on us. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he spoke his third word. Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Above his head, the charge against him read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. The chief priests, teachers of the law, and elders mocked him, saying, He saves others, but he can't save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land, and Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Later, knowing that everything had now been fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. Precious Jesus, you who make streams of living water flow in those who believe in you so that they never thirst. Thank you for knowing the burden of thirst, the pain of crucifixion, the anguish of sorrow to the point of death for our sake. After Jesus said, I thirst, they soaked a sponge in a jar of wine vinegar, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, he said, It is finished. He 
He came down from heaven, not to do his will, but to do the will of him who sent him. And he saw his task through to the end. And before bowing his head and giving up his spirit, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Surely this man was the Son of God. Stella is going to lead us now in a prayer of confession. Lord, we have betrayed you by following our own ways. We have denied you by fearing to follow yours. And we have mocked you by not taking your work on the cross seriously. Lord, we are lost. Let your spirit find us. Hold us in your strong arms and give us your new life. Save us and heal us according to your unfailing love. Let us now in silence remember our own faults and failings. Live in us with us day by day, that together we might live that we might live lives that are new. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross. Thanks be to God. We are forgiven people. Amen. Amen. John eighteen, thirty-three to thirty-seven. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? That is your own idea, Jesus asked. Or did others talk to me, talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. You own people, your own people, and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Last Sunday, uh, Derwin spoke about the hospitality of the cross. It, it seems a paradoxical thing, doesn't it? Um, it seems to make no sense. The very idea that something this cold, something this dark, something this bloody would be hospitable, it seems counterintuitive. But the reality is that in doing this, in choosing the cross, God was attending to our deepest human need. You know, some of you maybe have never heard this before, and, and for some of you, this might be the thousandth time you've heard it. But the reality 
and the significance of Good Friday never gets old for me. Because you see, God is perfect, and we're not. And even the best of our efforts fall short of the white-hot holiness and perfection of God. We are broken people, plain and simple. And the rightful penalty for that brokenness is death and separation from God. But as the Bible tells us, God was not willing that anyone should perish. And so he undertook through his life and through his death, through the life and death of Jesus, to pay that debt of death that we could not pay. So now, if we're just willing to receive it, God offers us the righteousness of Jesus. As a gift, no less. Was there ever a more welcoming act than the death of Jesus? You see, I, I'm, I'm not here because I have my act all together. Um, I was all kinds of messed up. And neither am I here because since encountering Jesus, I have since pulled myself up by my bootstraps and gotten myself together. Um, again, no. <laughs> um, those of you who know me don't need the answer to that, you know. While God, as a, further of ex as a further expression of his mercy, is doing a gradual work of, of healing in my life, I'm still all kinds of messed up. I'm here, as many of you are here, as many of you know, simply because I said yes to Jesus. Was there ever a more welcoming act than the death of Jesus? Am I worthy? Of course not. Are you worthy? No, you're not. And that's the point. And therein do we find the power and the strength of the cross, the power and the strength of our King Jesus. A power that, that the Pontius Pilots of this world will always find confusing. Even though I've accepted it, it still overwhelms me. Was there ever a more welcoming act than the death of Jesus? One of the ways that we celebrate this is through Holy Communion. And uh, we're going to do that in, in, a, in a moment just now. We're going to do it in a way that's a, a little unusual in, uh, in this place. We're going to do it in small groups. Um, I've asked the, the staff and the elders if they would help me to, to serve communion. So servers, if you could come forward. And um, they're going to go to, to different places in the, in the room. And uh, they're going to invite you in different areas to, to go with your, your families and, and, and your friends who you've come with or if you've come with alone, just come in uh, and, and participate. And uh, we're going we're gonna to celebrate communion together that way. The death of our Lord. It's an act of extraordinary hospitality. 
an act of extraordinary power, an act of extraordinary strength. The kings of this world don't do that. But thanks be to God, we do not serve an ordinary king. Let's partake together. By the way, if you do need a, a gluten-free option, Derwin will hook you up here at the front, so just make sure you come forward for that, okay? Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed, over, handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. You can be seated for a moment. British writer Tom Holland points out uh, that to the, to the Roman mind, crucifixion was not a punishment just like any other. It was one that was peculiarly suited to slaves. To be hung naked and helpless was, as the philosopher Seneca put it, with swelling ugly wheels on shoulder and chest, it was, it was the worst of fates. It was a gruesome death, so gruesome, in fact, so foul that many felt tainted even by viewing a crucifixion. Certainly few cared to think about it in any detail. But Jesus had revealed to the world a momentous truth, that to be a victim might be a source of great strength. The Apostle Paul called it a stumbling block, and few people in modern times saw this more clearly than, than one of Christianity's most brilliant and unsparing critics, Friedrich Nietzsche. Because of Christianity, Nietzsche said, the measure of a man's compassion for the lowly and suffering comes to be the measure of the loftiness of his soul. Familiarity with this story has, has desensitized us to what both Paul and Nietzsche, in their very different ways, instinctively recognized it to be. And that is a, a scandal of high order. The cross, up until that point, a, a tool of imperial power, remains what it has always been. The fitting symbol of a great and divine shift, as profound and far-reaching as any in history. God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the strong. It's, it's the audacity of it, the, the audacity of finding in a twisted and defeated corpse 
the glory of the creator of the universe. That serves to explain more surely than anything else the, 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 the sheer strangeness of what it is that we believe. Was there ever a more welcoming act than the death of Jesus? He welcomes us not only into relationship with God, but into a new way of living altogether, a way that prioritizes the needs of others above our own, a way that spends itself for the good of others. That is what we are called to. We are, we are heirs to this same revolution, a revolution that has as its molten heart the image of a God dead upon an implement of torture. Was there ever a more welcoming act than the death of Jesus? And so as his followers, we are called to welcome the marginalized, those that the world casts aside, to welcome broken people, even in our own brokenness. And in doing so, we can know the power and the strength of God You see, subjects in an ordinary kingdom wouldn't do that. But then we don't follow an ordinary king. Thanks be to God. Mark the sequel, though. Make sure you come back on Sunday. You may be seated. To finish our service, there's another tradition um, on Good Friday services, and that's the relighting of the center candle, the Christ candle. And I'm going to do that now. It's a symbol of the hope for the resurrection and the hope that we have in Christ in our lives. Now receive the benediction. Christ is your hope for glory. Go and live alive in him, dead to sin, in the light of his life. And live fully in his kingdom, the kingdom that's not of this world, the kingdom that is unexpected. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.